y'all. Welcome back to Love and Grit. My name is Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And today's episode may feel a little dramatic, but that's only because we are talking about the theater and motion pictures, darling. And we're always dramatic. Who, <laughs> <laughs> me? Oh, no, not you, Rachel. Today, we speak to two of Philly's biggest achievers and change agents in the arts. Lee Goldenberg, managing director of the Wilma Theater, will give us the update on theater life post-Rona. Yes, we are coming back. And Sean Finney, Associate Director, uh, Membership Relations and Outreach, Academy of the Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, explains why the Oscars ain't been the same since this Philly boy stepped on the scene. But first, it's time for our lightning of Philly faves. And the topic of this week's Philly faves, what is your favorite happy hour spot? Ooh. First of all, happy hour is just the best time of the day. I'm going to say Sampan over there on 12, right across you from Elvez. You know, the whole wood building is amazing because they have great happy hour food specials and they give you bowl drinks. Oh, they do have those fish yes. bowl drinks. Yes. But the yes. food specials, that fried rice with the egg on top. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying Sampan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Their delivery is great, by the way. Rachel. I love Harper's Garden. It's on 18th and Ludlow in Rittenhouse Square. And they have have adapted so nicely with everything that's going on with the pandemic. They have lovely outdoor seating, amazing cocktails, yummy food. I like the way it's decorated. Everyone's really nice. Definitely going to choose Harper's Garden. Justin? This is tough because I like to drink at a lot of places. Dramatic pause. <laughs> right? I'm like, are you frozen? What is the problem? I can't remember the name of the place. <laughs> Royal Boucherie. Royal Boucherie. You didn't forget. You were just wanted that dramatic pause. Well, it is the drama episode of Love and Grit, so it's perfect. But, but Nick Elmy does amazing drinks and great bites at Royal Boucherie in Old City. I just want to say it. Where did you want to take us around the holidays? Nick Elmy's other place in the Valley. It's called ITV on East Pass Young. They do real fun cocktail drinks. They actually changed the name of the bar during Christmas time to Miracle. Yes, I remember you told us about that. And that's where you said you would take us on a date. So holiday season right around the corner. Don't forget. I say this constantly, Sean Finney is my favorite Philly to LA story. I mean, who wouldn't want to know how one goes from struggling artist sleeping in his car to diversifying membership at the Oscars, starting with that highly emotional Moonlight La La Land win? Since then, the representation has been booming from Mahershala Ali's two years in a row Oscars to Black Panther's Oscar to super tenured and highly acclaimed costume designer Ruth Carter, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water to Viola Davis in last year's Parasite win for Best Pick. Remember Oscars So White? Hmm. Not anymore, thanks to Sean Finney. So how did he do it and how does he still find the time to give back? Let's ask and be all up in this business. Hey, Sean. Welcome. First and foremost, thank you all for having me. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. It is an honor to share you with your hometown so everybody really understands what you've been doing. Well, okay, the short story is I was actually living in New York. I moved to LA. I didn't want to. I was like that person who was like, I'm on the East Coast. Y'all know what that's like. I'm on the East yep. Coast. I'm not leaving. I left there in pursuit of my dreams and my vision. Within three months, I was singing and songwriting. I got offered a record contract. I was like, I made it. I have made it. <laughs> and then we actually had two family attorneys read the contract. And I was like, I, I didn't make it. No, I have not made it. <laughs> and so as you know, with those contracts, they get you. For me, I've always understand the power of imagery, specifically when you're thinking about little black and brown and everyone, but black and brown kids who see 
images. And, and the thing about music artists that's different from film is when we see Batman, we know that's not really Batman. But when we see said artists acting out, we're like, oh, that's who they really are. And then so people then want to grow up and emulate them. Who did they want Why? you to be? I'm so curious. Who did they want you to be? Oh, there was a difference. So they, they basically kind of lay out your path, right? So, you know, like Rihanna, she started off as like the good, sweet girl, the pop girl, then she went good girl gone bad. And right. so they wanted like, here, you be the heartthrob. And I'm like, yeah, but I also had huge insecurities at that time. So I also had eating disorders. I also was dealing with depression. So I'm like, I want to be the person who's talking about that, who has made it. I don't want to be the person who's hiding that and struggling with that behind the scenes. And I think that's what happens when you're dealing with artists is that, they start hiding themselves. So when people be like, you change, you change, they did change, because that's not who they are. But they've gained and garnered success being someone else. How did it's you a- find your voice in order to make sure that that wasn't your path or that you weren't in agreement with allowing that to be your brand? I mean, I think I just always understood how powerful it is to see yourself and how someone can be inspired by that or feel less than. I mean, how many times are we scrolling through Instagram, seeing somebody specifically in quarantine? You know, we're like, we're not doing that, or we're not doing this, or we're not invited to this party, or we're not at this thing. And so I just didn't want to represent a false narrative. And I just understood that my people who know me know me, and I want to be Sean Finney everywhere I go. I want to be me in the boardroom. I want to be me on the carpet. I want to be me at home. I want to be me in my friendships and my relationships. I want to be the same person. And that's just important to me. When there's my money on the line to become an artist in LA and you stayed so true to yourself. It's really impressive. Well, I was broke too. So that's how I started living in the car. And I remember, you know, to your point, Rachel, when you said, how did you find your voice? I remember, and I think we all have these pivotal moments in our lives that we can point back to. We're like, oh, that was a defining moment. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was getting a lot of pressure at that point, three months, our attorneys were talking back and forth. And in between that, we were working on a project. So we're still in the studio. We're just like, that's going to get handled. We're going to come to some resolution. And when the producer was like, no, we're not going to come to a resolution. I need you to sign this either today or we're done. It was just so loud in my head. It was like, no, I didn't even think about it. It was just like, no. And then I thought about it when I got in the car. I was like, did that work like 10 years just to get here as an artist and as a musician, as a writer? All you want is for someone to read your book. As a musician, all you want is for your song to be played in the gym while you're working out, you know, or wherever, perform. And I just was like, that's not it. And when I said that, honestly, it was a little fear, but I felt more empowered than fear at that moment. And I didn't have anything going on what was next. That was kind of what started my journey in LA. I was living in my 1998 Toyota Camry, not before then, but after then. Six months. Wow. That's a long time. Functionality of living in your car for six months. How do you bathe? Mm -hmm. The gym. Once I finally got the job to be a temp assistant uh, to Uh. the CEO, I would go to the gym before work. I would stay really, really late. I would stay late to really make sure that my job was good, but I would stay late too because I was just postponing going to my car. It's, It's a completely different life. Yeah, it was a very interesting time, but you know what the interesting thing about that? is that when I had nothing, I felt like I had everything. And I guess because I had nothing but myself and because there wasn't a lot of people who understood what I was going through, I had to really dig extremely deep to be able to love myself, convince myself that who I am is enough. How do you raise a person to be like you? Like, how did that happen? It's really unbelievable. Um, and so many lessons of love and lessons of grace. Oh my God. And, this oh and, my God. and also like of yourself, knowing yourself at such yeah. an early age through a lot of 
tough times. Yeah, I would say I have a very loving family. My mother and father, my dad is in the military, so I've moved around a lot. Wow. My mother is a nurse, so she's compassion and service, 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 service. I remember coming home and I'm like, mom, whose baby is this? And she's like, the woman at work couldn't take care of the baby. So I'm thinking, so that person becomes my god brother or god sister and lives with us for 12 years. So <laughs> service-minded mentality has always been something for me that has been bigger than me. And so I understood that the situation that I was in wasn't about me. But I also, even though I had great parents and, and an amazing family, I struggled with depression very young. And things that I didn't see men, black men, talking about, dealing with. Even sexuality. and, and Yeah, like, sexuality. You having know? a dad that like fully took everything that you were. Yeah, that came when I was 21. I remember even my mom was like, what, you're what? What's happening? You know, because I live with my girlfriend. It was, a, you know, I had girlfriends all the way up until then. And my mom was like, what's happening? My dad was like, in his very calm voice, he's like, is this your decision? Stand by your decision. So that's a long way to answer your question, Justin. I've grown up around a lot. No, of I think it's really love. interesting because that's what people want to know. Like, how do you get there? It's not easy. No matter who you talk to, everybody's going through it in yes. some sense. Yes. Everybody. And, can, and if anything we learn from this, it's treat each other kinder. We're all humans and everyone's going through bad stuff they don't want to talk about. Yeah. And so it's really shaped my life in that way. And depression is something that I speak openly about, not for sympathy, but just because can we normalize it? Can yes. we normalize men we? going through things, crying? Can we normalize black men having feelings and emotions? I mean, how can you not have feelings and emotions when we're seeing our brothers, Maud Arbery, when we're seeing Breonna Taylor, when we're seeing George Floyd, when we're seeing the countless others, you don't think I'm hurt? You don't think I'm mm. sad? You don't think that I have something that's happening within me every time I see that image? I spoke earlier about the power of image. So the power of seeing someone kneeling on someone's neck, you don't think that does something to me living and driving it through Beverly Hills, going to work? It does something to me when a cop is behind me. It's a fear. It's a earth shattering. Am I about to die? And I think that, you know, before people would be like, oh, are you exaggerating? It's like, no, we're not exaggerating. We're not exaggerating at all. And so to your point, Justin, I'm just like, how can I add value anywhere I go? What can I do? And as being an artist, you know, it's, it's natural to want to bring people into your vision, right? And so how can I be a part of something? And then how can I add value to what that is? So yeah, that was my experience when I started. I had put out so many applications, y'all, so many, because as an artist, you know, you have so many different jobs, you know, odd in jobs that you're mm. doing. Y'all, I went to 7-Eleven and I was like, all right, y'all, look, I never made a Slurpee in my life, but I think, I think I can make a, a bomb Slurpee. I think I can make a bomb Slurpee. Like we all just hired me. They were like, we're not hiring. And I'm like, 7-Eleven is not hiring for Slurpee makers. Don't y'all always need Slurpee makers? No, we make our own. I was about to say, I didn't even realize they made Slurpee Yo, used to. Like, I forgot they used that. I feel like they used, used to. to be yeah. behind the and counter. Like, I had put out an application to be an assistant to the president of a record label. So... I'd also, at the same time, was going through a temp agency to get my job, uh, to get that, and you said, Justin, that entry point into the academy. They had like 200 resumes, they picked four. I was one of the four. And the temp agency, I don't know if you know how it works, but they don't tell you what the job is. They no, tell you no. the position, yeah. but they don't tell you where it is because then you can just go around them. So I was like for three and a half weeks in the car, which felt like five years. And they're like, okay, I'm interviewing with this company. Don't know what it is. And you know, being an assistant is so different. And I remember when they were finally telling me, they're like, oh yeah, you got the interview and it's for, are you ready? And I was like, uh-huh. The Academy of Motion Pictures. And I was like, what is that? Because I was just, I was like, it's not own, it's not Oprah, Harpo. Right. Like it's a, it's a lot of pressure. And especially when you're working 
for the CEO, Don Hudson, who has taught me so much, so much, and has given me so much opportunity there. That's why you need allies. That's why you need people who can see something in you and who can really help amplify that. And Lorenzo Munoz, who has been my angel there. When I got permanent, that's when I got my apartment in Koreatown. But I had been in the car for about six months. None of them knew. I just feel that it's taught me so much just really about myself and my will. When Oscar's So White hit, at that point, I had been there about two and a half years, and I had started to build my own relationships. There were a lot of false narratives that were happening out there. Are they canceling the show? Are they not canceling the show? So I actually took it upon myself to where the network that I had to really just engage with them. That award season happened. I took my mom to go see Hamilton, and I was so inspired by that show. And I went back to work. I went down to membership, which at that point was headed by Lorenzo Munoz. And I was like, I have an idea. I think you need somebody who sits and can go from this place to that place and outreach, right? Because the Academy is beautiful and it's amazing. It's been around for 90 something years and represents excellence. But I don't know how much at that point we had outreached. Are we going out into the community? Are we having those conversations? Are we initiating those conversations? I'm like, I would love to be a part of that change. I would love to be a part of what this is. Because I served and built a relationship with the CEO, I was able to present something that I think was really even considered because she could see the heart behind it. And she could see, I want to do more. I want to add value. And I started to realize I have a responsibility to have conversations and to help and understand and contextualize from my point of view. Not saying my point of view is the right point of view, but I'm a young gay black man and I want to put myself in position to be able to do that. And thankfully they allowed me (laughs) to move into that position. And what that was, then I worked with an amazing team that is still so pivotal for everything that you see that happens on the show in terms of ticketing, seating, submissions, in terms of rules and regulations, all the stuff you don't even think about where we all were just kind of like, this has to be different in terms of international, in terms of people of color. And I think that when people see themselves there, it's a lot easier for them to be like, oh, okay. And then figuring out how I can just leverage everything that I have to be able to have those conversations. So I started using my social media to have conversations with people to really, really amplify um, a lot of the stuff that I've been thinking about inside and talking to different people, right? Whether it's Mahershala Ali or Rita Wilson or Nate Parker and talking with them about their life, talking about them, not what they do. We know what you do. That's why we know you. But tell me about who you are. Tell me about the your definition of success. And when I think of success, love and grit, by the way, you think about the grit that is required. You think about the sacrifice that is required wired of you to gain said success and then it's not about getting there because we all can get there if we work hard but then it's about sustaining it and to me that's where character comes in do you have any favorite philly moments let's talk about any type of love affair you have with the region Ooh, let me tell you what i what i've learned about philly philly has heart you know what i'm saying i think that new york is tough can be cold and be difficult, but in Philly to survive, depending on the area where you live, it takes heart. And I think that to me, when I think about Philly, I take something from everywhere that I go. Mm. It takes heart to live in your car. It takes heart to walk around like everything is fine when it's not. And so when I say heart, that's not to be taken lightly, like, oh, just a generalization about what that is. I think heart is required in all things that you do. There is no body without the heart. And so when I think about Philly, yeah, it's the city of brotherly love. It's all, but, but when I talk about heart, I'm talking about the audacity to be. Mm, I love that. To me, I think that's a pretty big thing because of what is required of you. Listen, church, Sean Finney. 
Where can we follow you, Sean? You can follow me on Instagram, Sean Finney Be Flourishing. S-H-A-W-N-F-I-N-N-I-E, B-E, Flourishing. In Philly, when it's time to enjoy, when it's time to celebrate the good times with good company, you gotta break out the good stuff have to come football season or your favorite movie it's time to break out the hers crisp and tasty sour cream and onion salt and vinegar every bag is an invitation to a good time somewhere no rsvp needed so live it up and crunch it down for the downright fun times and nothing short of the best times break out the hers All right, so let's get this straight. Yes, Lee Goldenberg is a managing director in theater, currently at one of our faves, The Wilma. However, Lee's work goes beyond the surface of theater as her purpose is to lead mission-driven and creative organizations with a commitment to Philadelphia. And she's been busy. She has served as executive director of the Theater of Philadelphia, the region's theater marketing and leadership organization. She started Philly Theater Week, so we can all appreciate Philly's theater scene a little more. She is the president of the South Philly Food Co-op, and she serves as a Democratic committee person in the First Ward. I think she's the first guest that can answer any question in any category, so let's meet our overachiever, Lee Kosenberg. I love that intro. Oh my gosh, I won't tell you the subjects I don't know anything about. You wear a lot of hats. Um, mostly bike helmets, actually. I also <laughs> ride my bike all around town. You know, it was so interesting to see the Wilma pop up in the New York Times and a big article about it because of how you guys were pivoting with the pandemic. Yes. So just a little backstory. My first day on this job was March 9th. So I have only been a managing director of the Wilma during a pandemic. Oh my goodness. Um, so this has been quite the experience in figuring out what does theater mean when we can't all gather together and how do we envision the future of theater? Um, because it's not just a short-term solution. We're looking at what is to come, right? So the idea that we put forth that got picked up by the New York Times was a re-envisioning of what we could do with our physical space when we return with limited capacity. So we are dreaming of this sort of globe-inspired idea. If you think about William Shakespeare, everyone had their own little boxes all surrounding the theater so that that could be distancing, but you also wouldn't be so far from the action. Some of the other theaters we see that are trying to have limited capacities, they're pulling seats out, and then everyone's very far apart. And that's different than what we are imagining in terms of the energy exchange with artists and audience. So, so you're keeping the same seats, but you're just putting them in a, in a bubble kind of like. The idea, if and when we build this thing, is there would be a new structure that's sitting on our stage. So our theater seats that are currently in a space would kind of be behind you or maybe in front of you, depending on where you're sitting. And it would be a theater in the round where we are building little boxes for every sort of pod. So what are you thinking then in that scenario? Like how would you handle ticketing and what would change from that front? There are two important pieces to this. It's not just how do we get people into the theater and experience things live, but also how do we extend beyond the walls of the theater? Uh, Because the Wilma typically holds 300 people. This globe design accommodates anywhere from 35 to 100 people, depending on what might be allowed in terms of public gatherings. How do we still create and share work in isolation and with audiences that are at home? So we have been creating work 
virtually. And that's been anything from a radio play to cast and crew going to an alternate location and building a bubble where they're all living in a house and making work that we will capture and then share online. That sounds interesting. So how do you still create great production values and also create that live experience? What has been a Broadway's reaction to you guys? Well, Broadway just announced that they are going to be closed at least through June of 2021. So that is an indicator of how dire it is in the theater community. We were one of the first industries to be shut down and will be one of the last to return because we're considered a high risk activity. So it's been a challenge to think about how we keep actors employed, how we keep our artistic impulses and responding to the moment and how we create with all these restrictions. What type of support do you think you're obtaining from the community at large? Do you find that people are coming up with ideas for fundraising or, hey, have you guys considered, you know, this smaller play or here's my script? Well, we were one of the first companies to pivot our spring benefit to an online format. So in May, we held our virtual FET, which was fantastic because we got to have people from all over the country come and party with us, folks that had relationships with us that uh, wouldn't have been able to come to the theater physically. And we had more people show up in the virtual space than could have come if it was in person. So at that point, we announced the plays that we were planning to do next season, which is now. And we started selling these Wilma passes, which are flexible experiences. So rather than a typical subscription, we're saying you'll get three or four experiences, our virtual work, or if we can return in person in the spring, you can use it for a ticket in the theater. And we've seen a fantastic response from that. People are just willing to invest and say, I want you to return. Here are my dollars. I know you're going to give me something and I'll, I'll be able to experience art. I just don't know how. And so that has been really fantastic. And there's an exciting exchange happening with artists too. So we have a resident company of actors and typically they get together every Monday to train together, but they can't do that now. So they are breaking out into little teams where they're all creating virtual pieces. And so we're just trying to support them and see what they come up with. I mean, I feel like you don't hear such positivity and positive feedback when you talk to a lot of other attractions in general. What do you think it is about the Wilma that has shored up the support so much? That's a great question. And thank you for saying that. Two things. One, it's a company that experimentation is really baked into what we do to be alive and create work in a way that is always changing. So stepping into a place that was just open to experimentation in every way. Also, right before the pandemic, we announced what we call the next chapter, which is a leadership shift in the organization. So Blanca Ziska, who had been our artistic director since 1979, invited three artistic directors to join her in a cohort of shared leadership. So it's myself as a managing director and four artistic directors. And that was just getting underway when all of this started. So we have this shared sense of responsibility and uh, ability to say, okay, I'll take this, you handle that. And we all just came here to make and do. 
and there's different perspectives coming in. So I think we're just not beholden to the Wilma is this specific thing. Yes, we have this building on Broad Street and we really hope to get back there, but it's not confined by the building. And so I think that has really helped us move forward. And as we're talking to people about it, they feel excited too. And that's important with any community, any neighborhood. We always are talking about as, you know, with locals, making sure that we're supporting what's in our region, especially now, you know, if you think about if you were to create your own itinerary, a mini itinerary of everything to do. So you would encourage people to go to the Wilma Theater. And then do you have favorite places that you like to visit within the region? Oh, sure. So I should give a plug for Good Karma Cafe. They are our cafe and residence. They are a Black-owned, fair trade, organic coffee shop. They have multiple locations in the city and one right at our home on Avenue of the Arts. And they are open now with outdoor seating. I live down near Pashyank Avenue. So Mm, all the restaurants there are (laughs) amazing for me. And recently trying to spend more time outside and go on long bike rides, discovered the abandoned golf course at FDR Park, which is just this wild, unkept outdoor space. It's a bike in the golf course? Yeah, it's just overgrown. And then every once in a while you find a golf ball or a hole. And then just beyond that is the Navy Yard, which I think is fantastic to see the water. And there's just so many great public spaces. And that's been really nice to be able to be outside and still safely see people. Lee, I'm curious, are you guys speaking with each other in a sense of what's going on now? And are people looking at you like, well, Lee, can you tell us how y'all figured that out so we can, uh, you know... So when this all started, there were a group of us that were getting together regularly on Zoom. And there are a few groups around resource sharing and safe reopening plans that we're constantly sharing. We're talking about testing and how to keep everyone safe like that. So we're open to sharing as much as possible, whatever tools we've used, whether that's saying here's how this platform performed for us or here's who to call at this office to get this. I love that because people don't even realize that you guys are a whole community and how many theaters are in Philadelphia. There are over 40 theaters that participate in the Barrymore Awards, the Professional Theater Awards in the region. And when we were doing Philly Theater Week, gosh, there would be nearly 100 events from 50, 60, 80 unique organizations. So We try and find ways to support each other as best we can and make sure that especially now there's not as much happening and we want our audiences to stay connected and know that if they want us all to come back, there are still ways to stay plugged in and and support us. What do you guys have coming up? How do you plan when Broadway (laughs) says they're basically closed for at least half of next year? It's funny in talking to people, obviously the service industry has been hit hard, but You know, the people in the theater community, in TV, in movies, they've been hit really hard. I mean, there's been nothing. Nothing. And I don't think people in general have a perspective on how many folks are affected. So we really need to rely on our government and and bigger organizations to help us. It's not just the actors on stage. There's the crew, the box office, the admin staff, and you do that over and over again with all the theaters and event spaces. And, you know, we're creative, so we're trying. (laughs) But each of our projects has gone through multiple iterations. So Is God Is, which was the final play of our season, was supposed to start rehearsals in April. And it took us three months through different versions, trying to gain information about what would be safe, 
what would be possible before we landed on making a radio play that we released in July. So that was two months after we were supposed to have performed it on stage. And our radio play was fantastic. And it was the kind of thing you really felt like you were in the space. And it was also amazing because you didn't have to look at the screen. <laughs> you know, you spend all day on yeah. Zoom. And you're like, great, I'll just put in my headphones. They designed it for headphones so you could hear sounds coming in different oh, nice. spaces. And our actors are just so fantastic. And it gave them a chance to try something new too. So we'll have at least one more thing coming like that. We have some fun things in mind about how do we potentially share a play every night as it's changing or how does something that is captured and watched online still theater and not film or tv Ooh, right so right. we're we're trying to figure out where all this it's a um, lot of work yeah and, and just like missing that connection with people so trying to stay positive and flexible has been really important to us that we just say okay we hit this hiccup let's try again let's move in this direction i think just sitting back and saying we're closed was not something that was in the cards for us and we've been fortunate to be able to keep our staff intact and people have been really fantastic about going along for this ride with us. Nice job and keep it going because I think it gives people hope, you know, to be able to get out and do these cultural things again. I think so too. And we rely on the arts now, not just for entertainment, but also connection and also some commentary on what's happening. There's so many things happening in our society right now. I think we need to look to artists to have these conversations and give us some time to reflect. So I do believe we need to keep creating. These were very positive conversations from two people in the drama field, which is basically not happening right now. But to hear their positivity made me feel good. How about you guys? I love hearing their authentic stories. I love how they're speaking their truth and how they want to raise awareness and being involved in important causes and just making sure that everyone realizes you have your own individual platform. And as long as you're doing something, you know, it doesn't matter the extent if it's your truth and it's you trying to make a difference or contribute that's a beautiful thing period no question mark say something i dare you <laughs> tell your friends if you like love and grit and where they can find it is anywhere they listen to podcasts yeah. and also check out tons of things to do right now at visitphilly.com make yourself a trip make yourself an itinerary get out of the house before it gets too cold for a staycation. Let's go.